And uh, God, we just ask that you would, you would um, be with uh, Havilah and Uriah and that you would um, teach them and show them and grow them and that you would take care of this child and, and, and keep this baby healthy and strong and ready for us to, to welcome he or she into this world and that, that they, this baby would be a crucial part of our ministry to college and young adults, that it would be a, a moment for all of us to grow and to learn and just to be prayerful. God, we pray for hearts, the hearts of the people in this congregation right now, uh, that they would be ready and they would have ready minds and ready hearts to hear from, from the Savior of the world. The God that made all things has a word for us this morning. And, and we have Bibles in our hands and Bibles in our laps and they're open and they're ready for the pages to be turned and God, I pray that this would not fall on deaf ears, that this, these truths would not fall to the ground, uh, that we would we'd be desperate to, to grasp for them. And uh, Lord, we pray for Miles right now, that you would give him wisdom, uh, that you would give him uh, the words to speak and the love to show this morning, the grace to, to bestow upon people who don't know you this morning. Lord, we ask that you would speak through Kyle, and that you would give him the ability uh, to speak words that would convict us and, and cut us and encourage us and build us up this morning. I ask this in your son's name. For those of you who don't know Kyle, this is this Kyle Ginther is a teaching elder here at Midtown Baptist Temple. This will be maybe for some of you the first time that you've actually got a chance to hear him speak. speak. But he is speak, uh, to speak. But he has been a blessing in my life and an encouragement. His testimony uh, is a constant encouragement to me. I'm thankful for him and I'm privileged and glad to have him here this morning to, to, to teach us. So let's give him a warm welcome. You can say whatever you want to say about Brandon, but when uh, life wasn't going so well, when things weren't happening and my children, especially my oldest, was not walking with the Lord, it was Brandon and Brian Bustos that contacted me. Did I not turn it on? Do we really need that? Come on, let's be serious. We don't need this. We don't need these notes. This is the only thing that matters. This is the only thing that we need. If you have the word of God, we're ready to go. Amen and amen? No, not really? Half of you are still undecided. A third of you don't know what's going on. Maybe 10% were okay with that. Is this thing going to move the whole time like this? Does it always do that? Uh, more stationary. Um Brandon and Brian Bustos, uh, I think it was uh, Bustos that called me uh, on a weekday and say, hey, just wanted you to know that uh, we were fasting and praying for Uriah today. You know who Uriah is? He's not a finished work. He's not complete. He has not arrived, but that is my firstborn son. And uh, I'm telling you something straight up. Having a baby is the greatest thing in the world. Uriah is the standard by which I judge everything in life. (laughs) No, I'm being serious as a father. Because it was the greatest experience as a new father. That I couldn't have written it out any better. This is exactly how wonderful. I mean, it exceeded my expectations. But it was amazing to be a father. And I'm telling some of you, it's coming. It's going to be a great thing. And then they just keep getting better. Then you have a daughter. And oh my goodness. It's like this standard of beauty, right? And, and then you have another. And it just, God is good, man. It's good to serve the Lord. It's good to have failure in your rear view mirror and be able to move forward and watch God continue to do amazing things in your life. And many of you are sitting here. It's a wonderful thing. You think it was because a friend invited you or somebody from school or, you know, you heard something was going on and you don't even really know how you got here and you think it's an accident. You think you purposed it. You think your friends just got something that they want to try to do in your life. And you know what? You're only here because God has spoken to you and led you and worked the situations out so you could be here today, right here and right now, not because of me. Not because of the announcement that I'm going to be a grandfather. That's pretty cool. And that girl in the picture was fat. (laughs) Who is that? (laughs) That wasn't her belly. Come on. She's not going to show you her belly. (laughs) Now, Uriah would show you his, but that's a different story altogether. 
And man, I, and Alex set me up, man. Now I can't pee my pants, right? Because, you know, I've been in these situations and you think it's funny, but here's the deal. You go to the bathroom and you're not used to the sink and you turn it on and it just sprays everywhere and it's all over you. And then you got to stand up in front of the church. Now, how do you explain that? People just go, man, I, you know, that guy's okay, but man, he wets his pants. I don't know if you want to have a bath. And I still could have an accident this morning. So. If you have your Bibles, you can be turning to Judges chapter 3. Do you love the Bible? Yes. Are you worried about what's going on in our, our society today? Yes would be a good answer. <laughs> Concern would be a good answer. Can, can I help you? Can I share something with you just by means of reality? Donald Trump has been handpicked by God to fulfill prophecy. Donald Trump is part of God's plan in all the events that are happening in this world to bring this climax together. We talked about it in first service and talking about first Samuel. Sam alluded to a lot of things that are happening, have happened in our world, and you need to pay attention. You need to wake up. We don't have a lot of time left. He was very gracious and lenient in what he was saying. But do you understand what happened? No, the rapture didn't take place yesterday. But planets and stars aligned as they have never before since Jesus Christ was born. Is that a small thing? You thought the eclipse was a big deal. Let me tell you something. Yesterday was a showstopper. Yesterday was a game changer. And no, if you set a date, you're a fool. You can never say to set a date as a member of the body of Christ. Jesus tells us that, but you know what we could do? I'll take tomorrow. You take the next day. You take the next day. You take the next day. One of us is going to get it. One of us is going to be right on on the date of the rapture of the church. Can we do that? Let's just start a big old long chain, and then you can glory for all of eternity that, hey, I was the one that picked the date of the rapture of the church. Do you understand something? Just last week, if one of those CMEs, those coronal mass ejections that eject from the sun periodically, if that sun had been facing a different direction, an entire planet would have been destroyed. Wasn't on the news. I'm telling you something. We don't have a lot of time left. If we had two years, I would be in shock. Two years. Why? You're commanded to know the times and the seasons. Hey, my daughter-in-law is going to have a baby. She's three months pregnant. You can get awfully close to the date, the moment, the time. But let me tell you something. You're commanded to know the times and the seasons. You may not know the date, but you can literally be within three months of dating the rapture. Did you ever think about that? You could be within three months of getting it right. The moon is for seasons, the planets, the stars, for signs. No, yesterday was not the event, but it's a major sign. And you better believe God is shaking this world, getting it ready to meet Jesus Christ. This Thanksgiving may be the last opportunity you have to share the gospel with those folks sitting at the table. This may be the last moments that you have with your parents, your friends, your boss, your family. No, it's not the event. But I'm telling you what, it's a major sign. It's a major sign. Are you ready? I need a drink. Miles promised me water, but he lied. Now he left. I mean, what kind of guy sets you up and then just disappears? Come on. Um, uh, can we pray? Maybe I should let somebody else pray. Daniel, would you mind praying for us before we get into the Word of God? Uh, dear God, I thank you so much for uh, the morning. God, an opportunity to have your Word. And uh, God, thank you for Kyle and, and God, just his study of the Word. Um, God, I pray that you just use him to uh, share with us, God, what you have for us today. Um, God, your Word doesn't return void. Uh, you promised that. And God, right now we have the Word of God open in front of us. Uh, God, I pray that we would take from it what you have for us, God, that we would Amen and amen. Does everybody have a set of notes? 
Again, these notes are not that critical, that important. It's just a guide. You can write on them. You can write on the back. They're not extensive. That's for you. But I want to point out something, and I want to just, let's just get real basic, real honest, real upfront, really grassroots Christianity 101. This is the first class. I mean, many of you are in college, have been in college. Believe it or not, I'm a college graduate. Yeah, I have a degree in broadcast business. Four and a half years because I failed. We're still doing this. This is a satanic design to keep us from what we're trying to accomplish today. Stop this nonsense. Amen? My son's in the middle of this. Man. The exercise of life. All life is, is this. It's God's exercise in your life to get you to listen to this book. That's it. That's it. That's where it begins and ends. That's all life is. Everything that happens to you today, that happened to you yesterday, the days before, is for one purpose. For God to exercise his word in your life. Just to see if you will obey it. You see, we've been deceived. We've got jacked up with all the things that don't matter. We made it about him. We made it about her. We made it about jobs. We made it about kids. We made it about family. We've made life about everything that doesn't matter and is not... Primo numero number one. What is it? Listening to the very words of God. That's all it is. This is your exercise. This is your trial. This is why you struggle with the things that you struggle with in school. This is why you have these issues with your friends. This is why there's a dependency for some of us for drugs and alcohol and sex and fill in the blank with whatever it is. All it is is the exercise of God showing you that his word is sufficient and that his word trumps anything and anyone in your life that stands in opposition to that. Does that make sense? Is everybody with me? We don't need to spend a lot of time talking about specifics and just the generalization of it. Pride is just as vile and wicked as homosexuality. Selfishness is just as awful as alcoholism. Lying, stealing, you, you don't understand what I'm saying? The point is simply this. These are, if you get nothing else from this message, get these five things right at the top, right out of the gate. When you have need in your life, There are five things that you always need to remember. Always. Always. When you have need, do you have need? Sometimes it's financial. Sometimes it's relational. Sometimes it's the difficulties as a husband and a a new wife or having a baby. What if you lose a baby? Man, that's serious, isn't it? That's awful. All life is, is the exercise of this book becoming reality in your life. Does that make sense? Don't get lost in your kids. That's a great thing. It's a wonderful thing to have kids. We've already talked about that. It's a great to celebrate new life and new people that are getting pregnant and having babies. That's a wondrous thing. How many you got now, Brandon? Three on their way to 12. I mean, this is awesome. <laughs> and every one is hallelujah time. I know it gets old, old hat, old, we're old, we have babies. I'm on the five-year plan. Every five years, we have a baby. It's coming up again. I mean, I'm just saying, weird, man, weird. Who God is, who God is, who is God? Not what you've been taught in school. Often not what is told or lived and fleshed out by the people even around you. Maybe not even by the people in your own church. Who is God? What God has done. God is a master at delivering people in impossible circumstances. Unbelievable situations. Situations where there's no way out unless God moves. Unless God does something miraculous. It's hopeless. I'm doomed. It's lost. I'm out of here. There's no point in living life anymore. Just prayed with a guy after first service. That's exactly what he almost committed suicide last week. May have gotten saved this morning. I'm just saying. Who God is, what God has done, what God owns, what God has promised, who God loves. Does God love you, Jasmine? Are you sure? I mean, he must be the only one because you're sitting way over there by yourself because nobody else does, right? I'm just saying, some things are kind of obvious. Right? Does she smell? Does she smell? Nobody wants to sit by her? She's beautiful. She's radiant. 
You're single, right? <laughs> Guys, you ought to be praying for this situation, right? Okay. I'm just saying. No, go say amen. Go say amen. No, no wait. Okay. She's patient. She's on the five-year plan. At least five years before she even thinks about dating. Right? Not just somebody saved. Somebody that's on fire for Jesus Christ. Not just somebody that's met the minimum. No, I want the exceptional. Right, Melissa? I want the exceptional. I want the standard. You hate it when I know your names, don't you? Because it just might throw, might throw it out every now and then, right? When you have need, five things to remember. Always, when you forget one or you forget all, what will happen? God will bring you back to remembrance. Always. Do I have need in my life? Of course. I'm 52 years. I'm going to be a grandpa. How am I going to be a grandpa? I don't know how to be a grandpa. You, how are you going to be an aunt and uncle? You don't know how to be an aunt and uncle. You got to pick this up on the fly. You got to learn as we go. And for some of you guys, I mean, think about it. You come home from the baby with the hospital with a baby. What do you do now? You got to wash it and put food in it and, and breast. I mean, you know, all this stuff about breastfeeding. I didn't finish the word. Maybe I should do that, right? You know, how are you going to feed that baby? That's a big deal. You can't say breastfeeding in college, Kaya class. Is that a cuss word? I'm sorry. You know, you can't say snot in South Africa. I had to learn that the hard way, right? You wouldn't think snot would come up in a message, but it did. So um, three things to remember. Here's the points. Point number one is from the first four verses of Judges chapter three. The point to battle. God has a point to the battles in your life. There's a reason why things happen. There's a reason why you seem, you're just getting grounded. You're growing. You've been through discipleship. You're getting involved in ministry. Doors are opening. God is blessing. Things are happening. Man, you're excited. This is awesome. This is awesome when my brothers and sisters in Christ get together. It doesn't matter if we play games, if we watch movies, if we go to the zoo, if we have a campfire. We have everywhere we go. We talk about the Bible. We encourage each other. This is what God's showing me. What's God showing you? This is what I learned over here in Leviticus. This is what I learned in Revelation. Man, you're just learning how to play that guitar or those drums. And you're ministering the worship at church. How exciting is that? It doesn't matter what you do. You're content with whatever's going on because you're just part of the body. That's a great thing, isn't it? So what's the point to the, why does everything seem to fall apart? Why do the wheels seem to come off in life? Man, I've been married for 20, 30, 40 years and, you know, things were going so good. My husband used to be this and all of a sudden he didn't want to read the Bible anymore. He doesn't want to come to church. He doesn't even care about doing what's right. And countless example after example after example of folks who just walk away. Folks that have been discipled, folks that used to be in church. I come from a church full of that. They went through shepherd school. And some of them haven't been to church for 15 to 20 years. How do you explain that? What's the point to battle? That's just the first four verses of Judges chapter 3. The plan to destroy is in verses 5 through 7. Do you realize that God has a plan? For your life, you know that, right? But you know Satan also has a plan for your life. Forgetting is one of the greatest plans of Satan to destroy your life. You forget how good God is. You forget God's blessing. You forget what God's brought you through. You forget how difficult it was five years ago, ten years ago, when you weren't even saved, and how God worked in your life to bring you to salvation. You forgot. The last thing is the path to victory, the, the four verses there, verses 8 through uh, 11. And that's all there for you, but let's do this. Let's go ahead and read. Oh, see, that's what I'm talking about. This isn't going to work. Yeah. Hey, uh, throw this out with a dumpster somewhere. That, that, just that just doesn't do anything. Man, if I bit my Bible, I mean, I'm going to have to blame the class for that, right? That's awful. Look at that. I've got a crease on my page. This is going to shrink on me now? Oh, you guys are funny. Am I on video? You guys are funny. <laughs> Might as well wet my pants, Alex. <laughs> Let's read, uh, beginning in Judges chapter 3. I'm pausing for reflection. You've turned to Judges chapter 3. <clears throat> See, I can't drink out of a bottle or a cup or anything. Pick it up in verse 1. Listen to what the Bible says. And there's some things that you need to understand. God is building men in Gilgal. Do you realize that? 
Now, I know some of you are not familiar with the, with the place Gilgal at all. That's okay. You can go back and study. You go back and look at it. In Gilgal, God is trying to build men, but here's the problem. In Gilgal is also where Satan is trying to build the universal worship of the Antichrist. And you understand something? That's right where we live. We live on the cusp, on the precipice of this world rejoicing, embracing, longing for the false Jesus Christ to show up. Yes, they're going to mock. Yes, people are going to go crazy because the rapture didn't happen yesterday. That ain't no thing. You were a fool to set that date as the, that's the one date you knew Jesus wasn't going to come back, right? It's like the year 2000 when everybody was Y2K, right? That's the one date you knew Jesus wasn't going to come back. Why would you ever fall for that? That was easy, right? But here's the point is that everybody's going to mock. Everybody's going to try to poo-poo these things off. Man, we've had unprecedented floods in Houston. Florida's almost destroyed. Just think about what happened here. We had three storms with over four inches of rain. We never have that. I mean, you are aware of that. How many of you are, are from around here? Most po- folks, you, I mean, you go to school here. We don't have four-inch rains. That almost never happens. We had an August where the average temperature was in like the 70s, almost 80. That's unprecedented. That's just here. I mean, we've got wildfires going on all over half the United States seems to be on fire and volcanoes and earthquakes. And I'm telling you guys, if this is not the time to blow it, this is not the time to fail. This is not the time to be getting into sin. This is not the time to not be submitted and listening and harking to the very words of God. As no time in the history of the world, your time for grace and latitude for error is gone. This is go time. This is 90 to nothing. Jesus is coming back, and every day I'm expecting him to come back today. If it's not today, just like Sam said this morning, it's tomorrow. And if it's not tomorrow, there's nothing else that has to happen. We get that, right? We're on the same page? Does that make sense? Somebody left their phone. Is that all right? Now, these are, the, these are the nations, the Bible says in Judges chapter 3 and verse 1. These are the nations which the Lord left. Does everybody see that? There are enemies in your life that God has allowed. Why do some of us seem to struggle so much financially? Why do some of us struggle so much with relationships? Why do some of us struggle so much with just being faithful and involved in serving the Lord in church and worship and just coming and just letting, just launching, just going and doing and being whatever God's called me to be. You know why? He says, to prove Israel by them, even as many of Israel as had not known all the wars of Canaan. You need to understand something. Every difficulty in your life is strategic. Every difficulty. This long process of figuring out who you were going to marry, who you were going to be engaged to, should we be engaged, should we do this, should we do that, all of these things have happened in your life for one reason. As a child of God, I mean somebody that has confessed Jesus Christ with their mouth because they believe in their heart that he's the son of God. They believe beyond any shadow of a doubt that Jesus' blood alone saves them from their sins. They've literally given their life to him. You've confessed, you've received, he's Lord of your life. That's the moment you got saved, right? Everything that he is and was now becomes yours. It's a beautiful thing. It's an amazing thing. It's an astounding thing, but understand something. Your life is living hell on earth from that point forward. Why? I'm just seeing if there was like a look in your eyes, like you knew the answer. Or you just, you know, nobody will say anything. Whoa, what if I'm wrong? What if I do this? What if I do that? Because Satan is the god of this world. He's the prince of the power of the air. This world is under somebody else's domain, somebody else's authority, somebody else's leadership. You are the enemy if you know Jesus Christ. You are the one that jacks up Satan's plan. You are what Satan was not counting on. That's why he had you in that bondage because of what happened to you when you were a child. Because of what happened to you in school with your family and fill in the blanks. Satan has a tremendous plan for your life to destroy it, to annihilate it, to keep you from ever amounting to anything for God. And the only solution is this book. That's it. That's it. This 
world is full of all kinds of things, but don't miss the point. In verse 1 says, to prove Israel, to prove me, to prove Lisa, to prove Ryan, to prove Kendall. Yes, and on and on and on. Even as many of Israel as had not known all the wars of Canaan, only that the generations of the children of Israel might know to teach them what? That's not a pleasant thought, is it? Do you realize something? If you are a son of God, God's training you for war. It doesn't matter what you've been taught. It doesn't matter what you used to think. God's training you for war. This is warfare. People get annihilated. People get taken out. People get executed. And you are a son of God that stands literally between heaven and earth with a relationship to the souls of men. Does that make sense? You're the Eliezer. You're the Phineas. You're the one that's going to intervene. You're the one that's going to literally stand in the gap for souls who Satan has exactly where he wants them. You've been trained for war and you've been foolish and you've bought into the lies if you don't grasp that. This is all about warfare. How do you war? How do you fight? Well, I'm pretty tough. Come on, Julie, get up here. I think I can smack her around a little bit. What if she knows? What if she got ninja skills? What if she's all that? She's going to teach me a thing. That's not what he's talking about. Hey, the warfare that God's talking about, it's all about prayer. It's all about this book being actuated in your life, becoming your reality. These promises that you're walking upon, that you're standing in, that come hell or high water. I know this. My God shall supply some of my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I could ask or think. That seems to be a pretty large scope, doesn't it? Am I not more than a conqueror through him that loved me? Romans chapter 8, 37 through there talks about. We have exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lusts. It doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. You have a means of escape. It doesn't matter how everybody else is choosing to die and go to hell. And it seems like the whole world is a party against Jesus and God. Bring it on. These make me that I'll neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. This book is the most precious gift Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. I will worship uh, thy name and praise, praise thy name for thy loving truth and for thy kindness. Because what? Thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. That's why there's such an attack against it. That's why most churches don't even believe it anymore. Does that make sense? This is what makes you like Jesus. This is what makes you think like Jesus, talk like Jesus, do like Jesus, love like Jesus, and be like Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Jesus is training you for warfare. You have to learn to deal with these difficulties. And there is a way of escape, and it's not through trying harder. It's not even in praying more. But it is definitely into praying and giving these things to God and letting God carry them and work through them and transform your life by his word becoming reality. I don't just talk about it. I'm living it. I'm believing it. Wasn't there somebody that preached a message in this class about a month ago about started off with 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 12? Remember that message? No, you weren't here? Okay, that's okay. You're those once a month folks. That's okay, we love those guys too, right? First Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13 says this, the next verse, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God. What does it do? Which effectually worketh also in you that belief. Do you understand something? The difference between every one of us in this room is just one of two things. Where you're at with this book. That's it. Whether you really believe this book. You can't just talk about God. 
My, I mean, all of our families and friends will do those kinds of things. But man, when Jesus Christ comes in, when, when God makes you a new creature in Christ Jesus, you become somebody radically different. So a brand new thing. Do you realize that? There had never been a time where the temple of God cohabited with men as one. That had never happened before. Not even in Adam. Not even in Jesus. It's a new thing. It's a totally new thing. Some of that's in your notes. Let's keep reading. This book effectually works in your life when you believe it. If you're just reading it because you have to or you're supposed to or because there's going to be pressure because other kind of kids are going to be talking about it on Friday night, that ain't good enough, is it? That means that book is not taking root. It's not taking effect in your life because you really don't believe it. I know what it says, but I don't believe that'll work for me because it never works for me. God never works for me. God's not for me. God's against me. Nothing ever works in my life. Have you ever found yourself talking like that? Thinking like that? That's a lie, man. Are you a son of God? Yeah. Okay, let me try again. I'll take a drink. You can think about it. I'm going to ask you if you're a son of God. That's what I'm going to ask Am, are you a son of God? Yes. I can't drink out of a, I told you, I try and tell you, it's all over me every time I try to do it. Can't do it. Are you a son of God? Yes. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Are you jacked up in your thinking? You're in the wrong mind. Get in the right mind. Jasmine, get in the right mind. Do you have the mind of Christ? Can I pick on you? Hey, don't everybody sit over here by yourself. I'll sit over here with you. Yeah, come sit. Yeah, yeah, sit. No, I can't sit close. You got notes there, right? <laughs> when she's not in the right mind, she's defeated. She'll listen to those lies. You're worthless. You'll never amount to anything. I mean, you're just like your dad and mom told right. you, right? Just like your aunt and uncle. They, they knew they couldn't. You would never amount to anything. She's listening to lies because she has the mind of Christ as she's saved, and she's not in the right mind. Where is fear? In my relationship with God. Where is failure? Where is lack of purpose or lack of meaning or just going through the motions or just existing or just getting by? Where is that, where is that place in the Christian life? You want to have the most exciting life in the history of the world. Why? Every day is God fulfilling his word in your life. Every day you're praying and God is actuating his word. That's a word, right? Actuating? I know you guys, you guys would be all over that better than I would. He says in verse 2, only that the generations of the children of Israel might know, might know, listen to that next phrase, to teach them what? You know what is the, the, the scourge of this generation in the body of Christ? We don't know how to fight. We think it's all about more of us, less of you, so we can win. Did you ever read the story about Gideon and the 300? I mean, none of that stuff ever mattered. Israel's always outnumbered. Have you ever noticed that? The issue is always God and his word in your life. That's it. I am the majority. I'm the son of God. I can walk into any situation and not fear. Well, he's a college professor. He's so smart. Does he believe this is the word of God? Well, that's the stupidest guy in the world then if he doesn't. What are you afraid of? Now, I'm not saying you need to be challenging your professors in class and doing a bunch of obnoxious, insane things, but understand something. If you don't believe this is the word of God, you're one of the stupid people, stupidest people in the world. You act like I said something like a cuss or something. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> no, but do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. That's not the smartest person in the world. You've been deceived. It doesn't matter if they use big words and they know and they've studied more different things than you. But man, if you study this book, you're the smartest man in the room. Do you have the mind of Christ? Amen. Does the Spirit of God live inside of you? How in the world were you outmatched? Oh my goodness, we've been so jacked up in our thinking. I have, present tense, the mind of Christ. I have his words. I am the temple of the Holy Ghost. Everybody's leaving. Am I, am I offending people? No? Really? I mean, I haven't gone to the bathroom either. Sit. Now, I know Eric's got to go. He's got worship. But literally, people just leave and all that like that all the time? Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> she still played till later today, right? Verse 2 says, to teach them to war. At the least, such as, as before, knew nothing thereof. And then he proceeds to list these eight specific heads of the enemies that's going to come against you. Five heads, five lords of the Philistines, right? And all the Canaanites and the Sidonians and the Hivites that dwelt in Mount Lebanon from Mount Baal Hermon unto the entering in of Hamath. And listen to what he says at the end of verse 4. And they were to do what? Enemies exist for one reason, just to prove something to you. Whether or not you will listen to the word of God. Because you know what happens? Satan just barks and you run. We run. We're scared. Satan's big. He's pow- oh, no question about it. Man, we don't go looking for him. He's going to find us. But you understand something. There's no running from Satan. There's no fear. I have all the power. Does that make sense? Listen to what he says. And they were to prove Israel by them to know whether they would hearken unto the commandments of the Lord, which he commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses. All life is, all life has been, is the exercise in your life of whether or not you would believe this book or not. That's all it is. It's just giants. It's like trying to talk to your kids at night. They watch something on TV or they were with their cousins and they filled their head with a bunch of scary stuff and then they can't go to sleep or they have nightmares. You know what that is? It's all fake. It's not real. It's imagined. That's exactly how it is with most of us in this walk with God. Satan barks. Satan has power. I'm not looking for trouble. But man, I can rebuke him in the name of the Lord. He'll flee when you stand. Isn't that what Ephesians 6 talks about? Not chase, just stand. Just how difficult is that? Any one of us can stand. You can, now, I, I don't mean that if anybody's in a wheelchair. I'm not, I don't, don't mean that in a bad way. But you understand figuratively it's the same thing. Spiritually, you can stand. Whether you're in a wheelchair or quadriplegic or not is irrelevant. You can stand. He'll flee. There'll be another day. He'll come back. But understand something. That's the point to battle. It's not about, the enemy is never the issue. How big, how, that's never the issue. All this battle, all this training for war was for one reason. Whether or not you really believe this book. That's all it was. Everything you've been through. You've been through some trials? How much time you got? I could tell you some, you know, you ought to be thankful. I can't tell time. We're going to be here all day. I mean, when it gets started getting dark, I'll think about maybe getting some food or something, right? Think about that. Everything that you've been through in your life was for one reason. For this book to become real in your life. For you to start praying those promises, believing those promises, stepping out in faith. I don't know how God's going to do it because, you know, I've got to have this job because I make this amount of money. And if I do this, it's pretty scary leaving your job, wasn't it, Alex? Wasn't that pretty scary? Why, there's security there. There's comfort there. That's what I know. I get paid on Mondays or Fridays or Wednesdays, and I can count on that money, and I do this. I don't know anything about being a lawyer's helper or, you know, whatever your official title is. I'm not making fun. Legalist. Legalist. No, legalist. I was going to say legalist. Oh, my goodness. We don't need more of those in the body, do we? Oh, my goodness. Alex needs help. Keep the microphone away from him. The point to battle is so that you would actually start obeying and believing God's words in your life for you. That's all this has been about. It's not about how scary the monster is. The second phase, verses 3 through 5, or 5 through 7, excuse me, I'm in chapter 3. Here's what Satan does, his plan to destroy, and he always uses what? Infiltration. Are you ready? Look around you. She ain't for us. He's not for us. He's against us. Not against us. Against us. <laughs> Everything that glitters is not gold. There are enemies in our midst. They come to our Bible studies. They raise their hands in worship. They pray. And they're here for one reason. To siphon off God's people from fulfilling what God's trying to do in their life. 
It's what Balaam did with God's people. Remember what the, the, it's written there in your notes, so you can look this up later. The counsel of Balaam, the way of Balaam, the heir of Balaam, the doctrine of Balaam. We can learn all about it. You know what he did? Balak, the king of Moab, wanted to curse God's people. You remember the story? Numbers chapter 22 through 25. And man, he's got a plan. How did he know Balaam would be an integral part of that plan? How did he know? Isn't that interesting? And so he wants him to curse God's people. And, you know, Balaam gives this thing. Oh, man, I can only say what God told me to say. I can't go beyond the word of the Lord. And it seems like he's a man of God. It seems like he's righteous and holy and one of us. The only problem was that's not where he lived. That's what he displayed. That's what he showed. That's what was on front street. And in reality, man, when the money was good and the benefits were going to be great, he came up with a plan that helped destroy God's people. And you know what it was? Man, I want to curse him. You want him cursed. I don't know what to do. I don't know how we're going to do it. But I think, you know what? If we got uh, Moabite boys to intermarry with Jewish girls and Jewish boys to intermarry with Moabite boys, you know what? I don't have to curse him. You don't have to curse him. And in just a matter of time, this thing will be a sin-sick mess. And that's exactly what happened. Guys, gals, you wait. You wait for Mr. Righteous. You wait for Mrs. Holy. Your standards need to be so high. He needs to be literally on fire for God before I would even mention his filthy name. He's a dirtbag. Is he a son of God? Oh, there's hope. Is he a son of God that loves the word of God? Is he a son of God that's jumping in with both feet? And man, he's, 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 he may not be where he needs to be leadership-wise, but oh, I see a course in his life. He's going to be an amazing leader. And you know what? You could put up with a lot of stuff if that was the guy you were going to marry, couldn't you? We can move on. You know what he says? He says in verse 5, And the children of Israel dwelt among the Canaanites, and the, Hitt- the Hittites, and the Am- Am- Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Listen to verse 6. And they took their daughters to be their wives, and they gave their daughters to their sons. And what does that always result in? Serving their gods. Have you ever read about what happened to Solomon and all those wives? The very thing that God told them exactly what was going to happen. Guys, you can't, you can't intermarry with the world. Separation from the world is the prime directive. That's Christianity 101. That's where it begins. Not just cutting out things that, you know, I don't do this, I don't do that. Oh, man, I don't want to go out with Alex because he never wants to do anything because he doesn't do this, this. That's not what it is. It's not just not doing things. Paul says he was separated unto the gospel of God. He did a lot of other things. That's the point, isn't it? I don't read pornography or look at pornography anymore. I study the word of God. I've replaced it. Something else has taken its place. I don't overeat anymore. Now I'm eating healthy, the honey, the honeycomb of the word of God, the water, washing of water by his word. Does that make sense? And what happens is, is their demise. They took their daughters, they gave, they took and they gave. It cost them coming and going. And they served their gods and the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And forgetting is Satan's plan for your life. You forget how good it was to serve the Lord. You forget how awesome it was to sit and fellowship around people sharing all over the place the things that God was doing in their life. All these miracles. You don't hear about the miracles when you're not in church, do you? You don't hear about what God's doing in her life and his life when you stop hanging with the body. You don't get to hear how the word of God is affecting so many other people's lives. You understand what I'm saying? It's amazing how that works. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and forgot the Lord their God. And they served Balaam in the groves. How is that possible? How is it possible to be so on fire for the Lord one minute and to be literally serving the devil in the other? That's something, isn't it? That's Satan's plan to destroy. Look at the last section there. See, the path to victory, we close with this. Look at this, verse 8. Therefore, what brought this about was me not being a good mom and a good dad. What brought this about was me thinking it's okay to let my kids do this with them. And it's not an us and them mentality. That's not what I'm saying. My kids need to be in public school. My kids need to be on Front Street. They got names that they can't get away with anything at my house, right? 
My kids need to learn how to be missionaries just like everybody else. But the point is this. They better be trained and raised and taught at home to stand alone because that's how it's going to be when they walk out that door. That's how it's going to be when all their friends from church are not around. You're a son of God. You're the enemy. You're the implant. You're the one that's supposed to be turning the card upside down. Yes, because you're in enemy territory. Look at verse 8. Therefore the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he sold them into the hand of Chushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia. And the children of Israel served Chushan Rishathaim eight years. And look at this. What is the deliverance? What changed the strategy? What changed the entire dynamic of the failure of God's people? Look at verse 9. And when the children of Israel, what did they do? Seven things. They cried unto the Lord. Isn't that where it begins? You may be sitting here today, and you know what? You're hearing a bunch of stuff, a lot of passages, verses. We're laughing. We're, you know, it's like, I don't know why I came. What, whatever's going on in your life. But you need to understand something. Is that when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, what does God do? God always raises up a deliverer. Always raises up a deliverer. And the Lord raised up a deliverer to the children of Israel, who delivered them? Even Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother, and what else follows? And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. You're crying out to God. He raises up a deliverer. He's full of the Spirit of the Lord. What does he say? And he judged Israel. Somebody that knew the truth and was standing and upholding God's truth in a wicked filthy and perverse generation where most people don't want to hear anything about it. And went out there it is again. What did he do? I love that song. Went out to war. That's the one thing God's people seem to know so little about. How to war for the cause of Jesus Christ. And the Lord delivered Chushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand, and his hand prevailed against Chushan Rishathaim, and the land had rest for what? Forty years. You know what? For some of you, you're the deliverer. You're the 40-year rest for that family, your family. You're the 40-year rest that somebody's been praying for for God's people in this situation. You're the Othniel in the story. Does this make sense? The experience of life is simply hearing the word of God. What's the point of battle? Those first four verses. What's the plan? Satan's plan to destroy? Verses 5 through 7. What's the path to victory? Verses 8 through 11. And we close with this. Look at Galatians 2.20. You know this verse, don't you? How many of you, honestly, you don't have to do it. I'm not going to pick you. How many could say could quote Galatians 2.20? Just an idea. Not very many. Nobody cares about memorizing God's word anymore. Is that what you teach over here in this class down at this end? No? That's not Brandon. I'm just kidding. No, I'm just saying it because it's it's tragic. And I'm guilty of it too. In this day and age, we spend so little time memorizing and hiding God's word in our heart. And I'm guilty. And uh, I I just don't get it myself. What happens when they take this book from you? What happens is when all you have is what's hidden in your heart. You know what he says? Because here's the point. Here's the conclusion. This is a great story. Because it may not be your story right now, but it could be your story. Galatians 2.20 says this. I'll read it so I don't make a mistake. I am what? Crucified with Christ. Do you realize that? When you get saved, it's a life exchange. You're laying down your life for his life in you. Say, but I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to live like that. I couldn't be like her. I couldn't be like him. Of course you could. Of course you could. What? You just got to die. You just got to get out of the way and let Jesus Christ do the impossible, the unbelievable, the unexplainable in your life. Who who will be first? Who will be first? I think I'd like that. He says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But then he explains, yet not I. No, no, no. I died, right? That's the best thing that could have happened in this situation is that Kyle died. That's the only way he could be a good husband. That's the only way he could be a decent father. That's the only way he could preach the word of God. That's the only way he could raise children was he had to die and get completely out of the way. He is done. He does not exist anymore. 
I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but what? Christ liveth in me. Do you understand something? This has never happened. It's unprecedented. This is a new thing. A new creature in Christ Jesus was a new thing. An entirely new thing. God was going to put the temp- his temple which Solomon built, which Sam gives us a list of those seven tabernacles in the study this morning. You are the temple of God. You take the temple with you everywhere you go. God mixes the living temple of God with you. It's a new thing. You're a new creature. You're the temple perfect. You commune with God right here. The world doesn't come to Jerusalem anymore. You take the temple to the world. Outstanding. How is that possible? I could have failed miserably yesterday, and today could be hallelujah time, glory to God, because I can make it right. I can repent. I can go, oh God, forgive me for trying to raise up that dead, worthless Kyle. How could I do that? How could I be so stupid? Does that make sense? I love you guys. I really do. Many of you I know. Many of you I don't know. You're all welcome at our house. I want you to come. I want to interact with you. I want you to talk to me about the Bible. I want to fellowship with you. I am so excited about what God's doing in your life. I'm so excited about this class. I love this man and I believe in this man. I would follow that man till Jesus Christ comes back is what I would do. Amen? Amen. Until God sends you out. Does that make sense? Guys, This is the most critical time, right? This day and age, this hour, this moment, maybe some of you are really carrying some heavy decisions, some burdens that you need to unload. Maybe, quite frankly, man, I don't know what you're talking about, but man, I would like to have some of that. I would like to have that book become reality in my life. Brandon's going to be up here in a second, and uh, you know he's going to take charge over here in the next moment. I'll be standing over here as well. If we can help you with anything, help you understand what it means to live for Jesus Christ, how important that is, how critical that is, how regardless of what's coming, you don't have to be afraid. Because I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. And you know what? All these things before me is God teaching me how to war and a fight for the kingdom of God. Jesus is coming back. Brandon. In closing, the worship team to come up. And as we're leaving uh, and, and preparing to go, uh, we, would, we would be making...